Welcome to Crime Wave, a podcast featuring mystery, thriller, and suspense writers and the stories behind their stories. Crime Wave is part of the Authors on the Air Radio Network with over 4 million listeners worldwide. I'm your host, Bonner Spring, and my guest today is the very interesting Vanessa Lilly. Vanessa is an enrolled citizen of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma and the author of the best-selling suspense novels, Little Voices and For the Best. With 15 years of marketing and communications experience, Vanessa hosts a weekly Instagram live event with crime fiction authors. She was a columnist for the Providence Journal, and she lives on Narragansett land in Rhode Island. Welcome to Crime Wave, Vanessa. Hi, Bonner. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. I'm really glad that you're here today to talk about your newest novel of suspense, Blood Sisters, which was released exactly one month ago today, appropriately enough, on Halloween. That was yes. great. Now, I can't remember the last time I read a book with such a gripping opening scene. So how about if we start there? At the heart of Blood Sisters, there are two mysteries. Uh, can you set the stage for us? Absolutely. So Blood Sisters opens in Northeastern Oklahoma, which is where I'm from, um, in the town of Pitcher, Oklahoma, um, which is actually one town over from where I grew up. And it opens with a home invasion. Um, three young girls, um, one of them being my main character, Sid Walker, um, are hanging out and two men barge into the home and um, attack them and end up murdering one friend as well as the friend's parents. And my main character is able to escape with her sister, but she lives with that trauma her whole life. And that home invasion was actually based on a real case um, that happened um, in Northeastern Oklahoma, two girls, um, were at home alone for a period of time and three men busted in, um, stole them, murdered the parents and the girls um, have never been found. And I mean, recovered really. I mean, the the authorities are pretty sure that they were murdered by these three awful men. Um, but it's been since 1999 that the family has been looking. So I um, had just graduated high school at that point. So I've been watching this case you know, and kind of hoping and praying for the family since 99. Um, and they continue to look, I mean, just last week or so, I was I was in book tour um, in Oklahoma and there was an article that popped up about them getting a tip and they were, you know, looking around in this, in picture is where they believe the girls' bodies were dumped. And so the family continues to look. So the heart of the story, though it's not the girls' story, but it certainly is, inspired by kind of my anger and feelings around, you know, how people are disregarded and sort of thrown away because so much of that real case was bungled early on. And that mm. often is what happens, particularly with um, kind of the missing and murdered indigenous women crisis in this country, which is part of what the series is going to kind of focus on. So, you know, for me, it just all kind of fell into place of my own kind of emotions and experiences around what happened um, with kind of what I wanted to be the heart of the story, which was around kind of a trauma um, for my main character. Yeah, well, you introduce it with, you know, a pretty a pretty effective and amazing trauma. And then you immediately leave, leave the reader wondering what happened. We're both <laughs> smiling at each other. It's just like, what happened there? And, and you go to Sid Walker, who is now an archaeologist living in Rhode Island, which I believe you also do as well. Yes. And um, 
So um, the title gives us a really good idea. Blood Sisters gives us a really good idea of, of the, uh, the, the, the importance of the three characters in your book. And so you have Sid Walker, who's an, um, an archaeologist. You have Emma Lou, I think I'm telling a little bit more than I ought to, who's missing, and Luna, who was the girl who didn't didn't manage to escape the night of the of the home invasion. So who, who are these girls? And uh, maybe a little bit about their relationship when they were younger and now how it's changed. Is it, I believe, 14 years later? Am I remembering yeah, that right? About, about, I think it's around 15 um, okay. years after. She's, um, when the story opens, I think Sid is right, it's right on her 30th um, birthday or, or something like that. She's around 30. Um, okay. And so the for Sid, um, she, she she was very close to the two other girls. In fact, Blood Sisters sort of alludes to their relationship, you know, sisters sure. by blood or by love. And so certainly having her best friend <laughs> murdered is devastating and something that haunts her. And, you know, I think we all react to trauma in different ways for Sid she ended up sort of putting boundaries up around her family and even place, you know, she moved far away for her sister, Emma Lou. Um, she kind of lived more in the trauma, um, had kind of an opioid meth addiction as well. And that was another reason why Sid put up um, some boundaries too, um, because if you've ever loved anyone with an addiction, it's very difficult. And sometimes you just sort of hit a place where you just don't have the bandwidth anymore to kind of take mm -hmm. their pain. Um, and so for this, so, but for Sid, I think her journey really, you know, she's going to become a mother. Her wife is pregnant, newly pregnant. And I think she needs to sort of reconcile the past before she's really ready to kind of bring a life into the world and, and be the parent she wants to be. So she needs to return home, really. I mean, she has to because um, an old ID badge is found in some remains near that crime that's in the opening. Um, so she needs to return for that reason. But when she's there, she finds out her sister has gone missing and kind of their past has come calling. And so she needs to, I think, re really reconcile and come to terms with what happened um, in order for her, I think, to kind of grow enough to be the parent she needs to be and like the right partner for her wife as well. So that's sort of her trajectory, um, as well as, you know, finding her sister. I mean, so much of this book is really a search for someone who has been stolen. And she is a, a character who very much believes in justice, um, whether that's by the letter of the law or not. And she'll really just do whatever it takes to find her sister, which to me, um, I like a character, I like to read a character who has a real clear sense of justice and really just moves forward with the story and doesn't really just sit around waiting for authorities or whatever. You know, I like them to be really proactive um, as a reader. <laughs> that was a really, really good explanation. The bond between sisters, I think, is something really spectacular. I, I actually um, explored it in my most recent book, um, A Sister Goes Missing, basically. Yeah. And unlike unlike yours, um, how do I want to say this? They're not in the States. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's language issues. There's trust issues. There's all kinds of stuff, but she will stop at nothing. There's a bond there. And I have read actually a couple of other books this past year. It is a very fruitful field to, um, to plow into, isn't it? This wonderful bond. And you add the seeking justice part, which I really love. Now, um, 
among the elements that I really liked about these books, I liked as an author, but as a reader as well. Um, okay, so you've got the character, you've got some really cool plot twists. Then there's your setting, which is another thing that's very, very dear to my heart. While you're very briefly in Rhode Island at the beginning and the end of the book, uh, the plot mainly takes place in um, on native land in, in Oklahoma. So tell us about that. Yeah, so picture Oklahoma and northeastern Oklahoma in particular is kind of unique in that uh, my family is in northeastern Oklahoma because of the Trail of Tears um, on my mother's side. So my main character actually said Walker. Her last name, Walker, is my ancestor who was on the Trail of Tears. And we were originally from outside of Nashville um, and were removed from there and kind of forced to the northeastern Oklahoma like so many other tribes. And they I believe put about nine different tribes into the little tiny northeastern Oklahoma corner. So there um, was mostly tribal land in the beginning. And then picture it as an example of what happens when there's resources suddenly discovered, which if anyone saw like Killers of the Flower Moon, it's very similar, um, though maybe not as direct murder. The lawn gang was certainly to come in, take the land, take the resources and you know, come what may to the people. Um, and sure enough, that's what happened in Pitcher. And in the early 1900s, they discovered lead and zinc, which is extremely valuable for warfare. Like bullets are made out of lead and zinc. Yeah. Like half the bullets from, I think, both world wars came from northeastern Oklahoma. So um, it was the largest like lead and zinc deposit in the world for a period of time. Um, so that's billions of dollars that was taken from the Quapaw tribe, which it was their land. And the Bureau of Indian Affairs came in, again, this was in the early 1900s, and kind of took over ownership of the land, as well as the kind of financial um, money that was made from it, from the, the mining companies and gave them carte blanche to just do whatever they wanted in that community. And then eventually it went bust, all the companies left um, with no, you know, of course, commitment to the community at all. And they... Um, and so the giant caverns under the ground that were um, where they extracted all these minerals filled up with poisonous like acid water and completely corroded and destroyed um, the land underneath as well as the land above. The um, main river kind of through there is called Tar Creek, which tar, it wasn't always tar like bad. It used to be a beautiful, healthy creek, but, you know, not since these companies came in and now it runs orange and red. In fact, the creek next to my house was often orange and red from all of the runoff. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. the place itself visually, um, it almost looks like the surface of the moon. It's kind of, there's a lot of um, chipped gray rock called chat that um, has been piled high. In fact, a lot of it has been taken away, but it's still, you know, if you Google it, it's still around and there's giant hills of it. And it's very strange to sort of be on flat green land and then all of a sudden you come to pitcher and it's just this chat chat piles and abandoned houses um because the community was eventually bought out which is when blood sisters is set in 2008 which was a real tipping point for that community so the setting was very important to me i really almost wanted pitcher to be like a character um because so much uh happened there and it really is a reflection in the kind of opening epigraph as a phrase that's often used in um, like native circles, which is um, what happens to the land happens to the women. And I think you can look at what happened in picture as a real metaphor for the way in which many women, particularly indigenous women have been treated and disregarded or stolen. Um, mm -hmm. So that's 
you know, setting, as you said, it's so important. And it, it was something I wanted to, to describe for a few reasons, but also it's where I'm from. I did really want to share Northeastern Oklahoma with people. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. Um, you, you actually um, said something that I have often said when I speak about it. That's, I like to think of my setting as, as another character. Um, the, the people characters interact with it. They change their relationships to it. It can be an antagonist. It can, you know, I mean, there's just all kinds of things that play, ways you can play with that. Um, you know, uh, you alluded to this in what you were talking about a minute ago, but setting also refers to the time. And you picked 2008. Why is that? Well, it's sort of a spoiler that happens. So I won't say very precisely. <laughs> just, a, just a little bit, okay. But there's a pretty big natural disaster that's based on a real natural disaster. And for me as a writer, truth in fiction is really important. And a reader too. I love it when you can research a, a place based on your reading. And so the characters, of course, are not real. You know, I don't want to get sued. But all of the place, the history, even that moment in time, I really did my best to capture what was really happening. So if people are interested in it, they can go back and research it extensively. Um, research was a really big part of my process. So I said it on that week in particular, because that's when this happened. And, and in addition to that, it was a big tipping point for that community. There was a federal buyout program. So people were being asked to leave their homes. And many of them felt like the price that was being offered for these homes was not fair. And so there was a, it was very divisive. And um, there's just a lot of vitriol and anger. And kind of the layer on top of that was that the Quapaw tribe, as I had mentioned, had their land taken and never returned in any capacity. And they weren't being compensated at all either. So there was just a lot of layers that were interesting for me to explore. Right. And even though 2008 doesn't maybe sound that far away to some people, it doesn't to me, but um, it is in that like the iPhone was just created, like things were different. It was sort of like a Blackberry time still. I don't know if you remember, like everyone was like holding Blackberries and typing with their thumbs all the time. I don't know. <laughs> So it was just, it's just slightly different than now, which to me was kind of fun to research, like what music was popular, like what were we wearing? It's not like that different, but it's a little different. And I, in some reviews, I call it historical fiction, which I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, it's 2008 historical fiction, but maybe. Um, so anyway, it's, yeah. So I, yeah. I loved writing about 2008. It was kind of interesting. Yeah. I said I, I did it for reasons which are you know historical. well we well yes we will we, we will leave the rest of the reasons way but you do create that incredible sense of of in the importance of the time as you're going through it and that's why I wanted to make sure I mentioned it and it is historical <laughs> okay um I wanted to add one other thing about setting um there's a small touch in your book um that really resonated with me it was your description of the three sisters garden. Okay. And, um, and I will, I will very, very briefly, because you're the one I want to talk about it, which is an indigenous agricultural uh, practice of planting corn, beans, and squash together. Um, and I, I was so interested in this that I looked it up. I looked it up and wanted to find out more about it, which I hope as an author, you take as, you know, with, with some pleasure, because I really, it, it was, it was just, it was cool. But of course, the connection in my brain, Vanessa, is that you have a story about three sisters mm -hmm. and there's a three sisters garden. Mm -hmm. And 
each provides something that the other needs and together they're stronger. Um, I'm assuming since you're a professional that that was somehow intentional. Am I right? I hope. <laughs> yeah, I think I got there eventually. I, I mean, I love the three sisters garden just as, um, as an, like as a, a native ideal, this idea of a relationship with the land, the idea that the plants help each other, they're stronger together, as you were saying. Like to me, that's just like beautiful. I also love that it's three sisters, and it's just and it's a type of garden that's been used in many indigenous communities. Um, and just that relationship with the land, any way that I can kind of communicate that to readers is important to me. But certainly, you know, having a book also about three blood sisters. Um, that also felt really fitting as well. And, you know, maybe you should try to plant a three sisters garden. Uh, I live in a tiny house at the edge of a salt marsh. It's not going to work here. Yeah. I don't know if salt but marsh I, is quite right for a three sisters. Yeah. Garden. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really, it's really not. We actually flooded last year and we lost all my, all my uh, perennials. Uh, so, oh. no, I'm not going to try it. Sorry, mm -hmm. Vanessa. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I absolutely love, I love, love, love the idea and how you inserted that in. So as I say to all our listeners, it's just one uh, example a very small example of the sensitivity of Vanessa's prose. So pay attention, okay? Now, you described Blood Sisters somewhere that I read as the first of a new series. What do you plan next for Sid Walker? Yeah, so I'm working on it now, actually. I'm Now that my book tour is winding down, I'm going to kind of go back into the revision cave. I've written a first draft that I'm not entirely happy with, um, and all of it will be in Rhode Island on Narragansett land. Um, and I am so interested in um, this setting, particularly because, you know, my experience being Cherokee from Northeastern Oklahoma, I mean, you know, the Cherokee have only been there just a few hundred years in Northeastern Oklahoma. The Narragansett have been on this land, time in memoriam is what they often say, which is this idea that even before written, like printed word, they were here. And, um, you know, there's some really beautiful traditions like powwow which is an Narragansett word their powwow or there's and they call it their annual summer meeting um has is the oldest recorded powwow in the country it's over 350 years they've been gathering in the same place um in the same land like dances regalia medicines like it's just such a different indigenous experience than what I have had Cherokee from Northeastern Oklahoma. And this is also, I'm in New England, this is the heart of colonialism. This is where the boats landed when they came over um, to begin, you know, disrupting and conquering. So it, there's just a lot of really interesting questions for me around what is colonialism then? And then what's our relationship to it now um, that I'm, you know, exploring and, you know, Sid Walker is back on a case and she's um, actually going to like a rich kid camp um, near a site that's, um, it's called the Great Swamp Massacre. It's where a bunch of um, Narragansett women and children and elderly were murdered by um, colonists. And that was sort of the tipping point for the tribe, um, I would say, sort of losing the fight against colonialism. They were mostly... Mm put into either indentured slavery here or actual slavery in Barbados after that. Um, and so, you know, the tribe remained and and they are still here, but um, it was a, it's a really painful part of their history. And so I'm, you know, learning more about that and just sort of thinking about what 
that relationship is now and kind of what the questions are around, um, I think kind of rectifying or even some reconciliation, you know, I just, to me as an indigenous person and also as a white presenting person, right? I mean, I've had female white privilege my whole life. Um, you know, it just feels like there hasn't been enough um, acknowledgement and understanding of what was done. And I think that sort of big picture for me, a lot of the kind of divisiveness and pain in our country does lead back to the roots, which are kind of full of murder and lies and <laughs> treaties broken. Um, so, you know, I, I think part of it for me is just in my mind, understanding a little better who our country is and what does it mean in relationship to kind of the original people who are here. Hmm. Um Quite often when I ask an author about research, I think of it as an academic question and I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking about all the, the, the research that you must need to do to have written Blood Sisters and the new Sid Walker book. Um, and I'm not even sure if I have a question here, Vanessa. It's just, it's it's not academic to you. It's a real personal history and you're getting a chance to a, it's not a question, I'm telling you. You're getting a chance to, del to delve into it and to share it with people who are not aware of that history. Okay, I'll end with, is that correct? <laughs> it is, I really, I think for me, my stories started coming together. I mean, before my debut was published, I had been sort of trying to be published for about 13 years. And I think part of what aligned for me was what you're describing, which is the feeling of learning about something and writing about it in an interesting way to share with people. Yeah. That to me is sort of the greatest gift as a writer because I love to do that. I love research. And then I love the challenge of not preaching at people but trying to share things in a way that's interesting and compelling and even page turning, hopefully, but that, you know, if you want to, you can learn a little more about a subject and maybe a big subject like colonialism <laughs> or indigenous identity um, or social justice or environmental pollution or, you know, like, but it, it's got to feel like a thriller, right? It's got to feel like you're still kind of having fun learning um, and, you know, as a teacher, you probably get this, which is, you know, when you make learning compelling and interesting, that's when some of the best learning happens. Yeah. So I do think research is a big part of that. And I also just like, I mean, I think truth is much more interesting than fiction. And I think usually it's bigger and scarier and crazier. <laughs> bigger, scarier and crazier. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thank you so much for that. Now, before we go off the air, um, can you tell our listeners where they might find you online? And also, um, if you're going to be doing uh, in-person events in conjunction with the release of Blood Sisters. Yeah, so most of my events are done, but I may have a few more. So just um, follow me over on Instagram or Facebook. And I'm just Vanessa Lilly. My last name is L-I-L-L-I-E which is a little different than the actual flower. Um, and I'm always on Instagram and Facebook. And I also have a website and I have a newsletter that I update occasionally that you can sign up for. But those are really kind of the best places to find me. That, that's great. Well, anyhow, thank you so much for coming in to chat today, Vanessa. Best wishes for continuing success with Blood Sisters. And 
come back to talk once you finish Sid's next adventure, please. I sure will. Thank you for having me. This is great.